The following audio is from Sand Hills Community Church. More information about Sand Hills Community Church is available at www.sandhillschurch.org. In my uh, junior and senior year of high school, I was uh, asked to be on a, uh, my, my, uh, my tennis team. And our tennis team had gone to the state uh, for 22 years in a row, at least had it being someone representative there. And it was an honor and a privilege, and it was daunting and it was intimidating because a lot of the guys who were on my high school tennis team ended up going uh, co- to play college, and some actually went on to play professional. And so I tried out for the team. The coach asked me to try out because he'd, he'd seen me hit some. And so uh, I, w- I was good, but I wasn't great. Um, and uh, I, I wanted to be one. There's, there's, the way it worked in my high school was you got what's called first, second, third singles, and then you got first and second doubles. And, uh, and then you tried out, and some people made it and some people didn't. And so I tried out for, for third singles, and, and I didn't make it. Uh, but I got, I got to be on first doubles. And that was kind of cool. And we ended up going to the state, and uh, we didn't win, but I, I got to go to the state. And it was in those two years that I played this comparison game in my head all the time. That, that it's, most, most of these guys are just so much better than me. And, but then there was that kind of that feeling of a little bit of a teeny bit of pride, like, but, I, but at least I made the team, and at least I made the doubles. But I played for two years on this team, and I played this comparison game all the time. I'm better than those two guys, but I'm not as good as those other three or four guys. And, you know, I want to talk this morning about that struggle, because whether you're a, a, a in the faith journey, you've started the faith journey, whether you're a Christian, you're not sure about it, or you're religious, or you're not religious, it really doesn't matter. I think this morning will relate to all of us. And so I want to talk to us this morning about the comparison pit and just wondering if you have ever struggled with the comparison pit, because it's a pit, it's a ditch. And this morning, uh, Apostle Paul is going to talk about his own sense of comparison with a group of people he, that we call the Corinthians. And so this morning, we're going to talk about this whole idea of comparing yourselves with one other. And I've found that this to be true. And you tell me after I read this if you think this is true, that comparing ourselves with other people is usually a no-win scenario. Do you, do you, do you agree with that? Yeah. Okay. Comparing ourselves is usually a no-win scenario because there will always be someone better and there will always be someone worse. So I was talking to my son about this last night. I said, Andrew, if you and I compare ourselves with each other, who wins? And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, like, for example, animals. My son's an animal expert. He knows everything about animals. I said, if I compare myself with you with animals, you win every time, okay? But if it comes to basketball, I can take him down. You know, I can back him in, and I can take him down every time. Okay? I'm better at basketball than him. But the comparison thing just doesn't work because then I compare myself with LeBron James. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So um, Apostle Paul says this. We're going to go next slide. He says, by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward when, toward when away. 
I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of the world. So Apostle Paul is talking about this relationship that he has with the Corinthians. And then he goes on to say this. Next slide. You are judging by appearances. You're judging by the external. Now, if anyone's confident they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as as they do. I do not want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. And then he goes on to say this. And this was what people were saying. They say this, well, his letters are weighty and forceful. But when he comes in person, he's unimpressive. And his speaking amounts to nothing. Now, Paul was preaching once in an upper room when it got really warm. It was about midnight. Do you remember the story? If you know the Bible at all, he fell. This guy was listening to Paul preaching, and he actually fell out of the window. You remember that? He, he literally, his preaching literally killed someone. Okay, put him out. They go out and get him and resurrect the guy. So, so this, this whole thing of comparison, well, you know, when, when he's around, uh, he's really bold, but when he's, you know, or when he's around, he's unimpressive, but when he's not around, you know, he, he's, just so, he's just so Paul. And there was this comparison thing going on. Now, let me ask you a question this morning, and you don't have to answer it, but if you've got this guy who is maybe the greatest Christian who's ever come down the pike, and he's telling them, Don't judge by outer appearances. And he's telling you to not classify or compare yourselves with others. Let me ask you the question, where do you find yourself comparing yourself with someone else? Better yet, let me ask the question, who do you find yourself comparing yourself with? Now, I want us to land on verse 12. And I want us to try to read this together. as This is always a challenge, but it's always kind of fun. All right, are you guys ready with me? Here we go, ready? We do not dare, you guys with me, to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. Can we try it one more time, ready? We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. Now, um, let me give you an example. I want to picture, put a picture up of me. Okay, we got a picture of me? Here we go. Now, next to me is Tom Cruise. Okay? All right? I don't stand a chance. Agreed? Don't, don't, you don't have to agree, bro. You don't have to agree. But agreed? Now, but then I started doing bodybuilding. Okay? We got that picture? There we go. Now... Now I win, right? Or maybe not. Comparison game is tough, isn't it? Because you win and you lose. Now let me ask you a question. What triggers comparisons? Larry Dixon's a friend of mine. He comes here, and he made up a word called comparativitis. It's a Latin word that doesn't really exist, but Larry likes to make words up. And so when we start thinking about comparativitis, the comparison game, you can go all the way back to early scripture of Cain and Abel. You can go to Esau and Jacob. You can go to Joseph and his brothers. Maybe even James, the half-brother of Jesus, actually compared himself with Jesus. Now, I don't know if 
the comparison game is small s, small sin, big S, big sin. I don't know if it's a disease, it's a disorder. I don't know if it's an addiction. I don't know if it's just human nature. All I know is that when I do it, it wears down my soul. And I don't know about you, but if you're not sure who you compare yourself with, ask yourself the question, who have I compared myself with in the last 48 hours? And I believe it begins with a little bit of a whisper. You get around someone who is better than you in some area. And this is going to happen all the time. And you start to hear the whisper, I'm better than them. Or you get around them, I'm not as good as them. Or then you just start to fill in the blank. Maybe it's because of a wound. Maybe it was a wound from, fa- from a father wound or a mother wound or a sibling wound or a, a, a friend wound who didn't give you the affirmation that you were seeking for. Maybe it was an external voice that you heard people talking about, oh, how this person is so good at this. And you start to get smaller and smaller inside because you just don't match up. You just don't feel that significant. Maybe it's Satan, who, by the way, is the master of beatdowns, who's the master of non-compliments, <laughs> who is the master of never encouraging who beats you down. But most of the trigger, I find, happens internally. And I start, it starts like this for me, David Olshine. I am better at blank than this person blank. Or why is blank so much better at blank than I am? Or why does blank make so much more money than me? Or my grades are better than blank? Or my appearance is blank or blank? Or the milestones are blank and blank. And when we compare ourselves with other imperfect people, it creates usually a feeling of superiority, pride, or inferiority, shame. Those are usually usually your only options. You're around someone and it creates superiority, which is pride and sin, or inferiority, which is shame, which is also a tough road to go down. Now, can comparing ourselves ever be helpful? Can it ever have positivity? And I think sometimes it can. I think sometimes comparing ourselves with some others can be a motivator for self-improvement. For example, I heard a guy named Simon Sinek talk about how he met this guy who did the same thing that he did. He was a a, a public speaker, he was a motivational speaker, he was a consultant, and he was invited to be on stage with this guy who he viewed as a competitor. And Simon Sinek said he didn't want to do it, but he did. So he got on stage with this interview with this other guy that was his competitor, and he didn't really like the guy. But they started with the other guy, and they said, what do you think about Simon Sinek? And he goes, I don't like him. And Simon's like, whoa, he doesn't like me. I don't like him. This is really, this is good. Turns out the other guy was like, I don't like him because he's better than me. I think Simon Sinek does a better job of consulting and public speaking than I do. And when it got to Simon Sinek, he goes, you know, I, didn't, I don't like you either. And the reason I don't like you is because you do it better. But what's happened in the process is it's made me reach higher to do better. So there are sometimes people, maybe it's in your vocation, maybe it's in your business, maybe it's in the world that you live in, that you see people who are a touch bit better, and rather than pushing you towards superiority, 
or inferiority, it actually pushes you to strive to get better. So it can help. But I find that we live in what I call the, the, the land of errs. And maybe you can relate to some of these. Maybe you say to yourself, I wish I were richer, happier, skinnier, smarter, <laughs> taller, more outgoing-er, cooler, hip-er, more talented-er. Anybody, any experience that? Or maybe some of you are past that. You're past the errs. You're at the S-E-S-T. I want to be the smartest, richest, <laughs> happiest, healthiest, or retweeted-est. Where did it start for you? For me, it started in elementary school where I wanted to play basketball. And I went out for the team, and I didn't make it. And then I tried again in middle school. And I'm thinking, because I, you know, I'm, you, you, you hear these stories like Michael Jordan tried out and he got cut from his freshman year. You've heard that story, right? Kind of motivating. So I tried out for the freshman year and I, I got cut. So I'm like, well, I'm, I'm in good company. You know, this, this is good. Michael Jordan got cut. And then I tried out again. I didn't make it. Uh, and so I had to play in the Jewish community league, you know, and, uh, most of us Jewish basketball players aren't, you know, we just don't move on to the NBA. Uh, but I did get MVP of the Jewish Community League, you know, and uh, I, get, I got a trophy and a, and a free yarmulke. That was kind of cool. But I don't know where it started for you, but it started for me in elementary school being compared. And you do it in your own head, and then you hear it, you hear it from other people, and then other pe- and peers are the worst, aren't they? They are the worst at shouting out who's the best and who's the worst. And so this comparison thing started to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And I think the reason why we struggle with insecurity is that we we start to compare ourselves with others. But what we don't know is that we're actually comparing ourselves with their highlight reel. So just if you're an Instagram person or you're a Facebook person or you see people tweet stuff, people usually only tweet their best stuff. They only Instagram their best stuff. And so for you, you're like, why is this person always putting pictures up there when they're at a beach, right? Sitting there drinking their pina colada. And you're sitting like, I can't even afford, I can't even afford a drive, a drive to Elgin. I can't even go to Lugoff. It's too expensive. And so this comparison pit, this trap just starts to, to wear on you and, and beat you down. So I asked a bunch of people this week, tell me where you struggle. And here were the answers. I struggle comparing myself in the area of sports. I compare myself in the area of retirement. I want more money. I want a larger 401k than my other colleagues. I want more vacation and more money. Or this person says, I don't want to trade my life with anyone, but I I would like to trade one aspect of their life for my life. Or this one person said, I wish I had more Bible knowledge than uh, where I am. A lot of my friends have it. I don't have it, that person says. And this person says, I want to know God better. I, I don't know God very well. And, and, I, and the people I see, they seem to know God better than me. And so I found this quote. This person says, listen, if money and shopping is your trigger, maybe avoid the mall. Maybe if 
that whole scenario of seeing people celebrate their vacations bothers you so much that makes you feel so low, maybe you get off social media for a little bit. Now, just remember this. Other people's kind of external, their outside, doesn't always dictate what's happening on the inside. You might see someone, and I've seen this before, a married couple that looks very, very happy, and they're posting stuff all the time. And then one day you find out, you hear through the grapevine, and you find the reality is true, they're divorcing. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've seen this couple all the time on Instagram or Facebook. I see them out there all the time. They look so happy. I was at parties, and all of a sudden you hear their marriage is flatlined and has gone away. You got to understand that whatever you compare yourself to, whatever your criteria is, let's say it's money. I hope you understand that money does not buy happiness. I hope you understand that the things that you own and possess that you've gathered over the years that you were so proud of, now it's just become clutter. I hope you understand that money is temporary happiness. It doesn't have any sustaining, lasting joy and power. Even Christians compare. Even ministers compare. Even youth workers compare. Even colleges compare. Everybody is in the comparison pit. And the question is, how do you get out of it? Now, a historian was talking about the Apostle Paul. He's the the guy that wrote this book, He wrote most of the New Testament. And I did not know this, but there's a historian who wrote, quote, Paul was a little man, about four feet six. Isn't that something? That's a little man. Crooked, almost bent like a bow, with a pale countenance, long and wrinkled, a bald head, his eyes full of fire, his beard long, thick, interspersed with gray hairs, I like that, and my favorite, a large nose. He doesn't sound too intimidating, does he? Four foot six, bald, big nose, gray hair. But there was a lot of jockeying going on with spiritual comparisons and worldly comparisons. So the question is this, how do we handle the comparison pit? How do we get out of it? How do we get out of the ditch? How do we navigate it? And let me suggest this morning three ideas to get you going. Number one, find your sphere and work in it. Can you say that with me, right? Find your sphere and work in it. Paul says this. Next slide. We will not boast beyond proper limits. Verse 13, we will not boast beyond proper limits. And then he goes on to say this, we will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us. I take it to mean this, men and women, find your lane, get in your lane, and stay in your lane. Find out where you have been gifted And whether you're a Christ follower or not, uh, I still believe that God gifts people. Whether you're of a faith orientation, I believe God gives people gifts. I believe God has gifted each one of you in a particular area, a particular talent. And to be honest, it took me till I was about 40, 41, 42 to really hone in and realize how God had wired me. 
to actually accept the DNA that God had put inside of me. And so I found that when I step into into the realms of, of counseling and teaching and consulting, those seem to be my lane. And it took me a while to figure that out. But I've found that when I've tried to get out of that lane, and trust me, I've tried to get out of that lane many times, because I'm not sure that I liked it or felt, uncom- or felt comfortable with it. But when I've tried to find new spheres, new lanes, that's where the whispering really got loud. You are not good enough. You are lousy at this. And there was some truth to that. I mean, when, when, when God threw me in early on in my early 20s into youth ministry, I was very uncomfortable with it. I really didn't want to do it. And I knew I had an intuitive sense I was called to work with young people and and eventually train those that work with young people and parents of teens. And that kind of morphed over a series of years. But God kept throwing me into these venues. I'm in my 60s now, and God continues to throw me into this, and sometimes quite uncomfortable. And I mean, last week, uh, I was speaking at a retreat in Gatlinburg. It it was in a big hotel with a a water park. an indoor water park, I mean, someone's got to do it, right? And so I did. But Paul's saying this, we will confine our boasting to the sphere of service that God has assigned to us. Men and women, find your sphere. Ask other people if you don't know, where do you see me functioning? Where am I good? Where am I skilled? Where am I gifted? Find that lane and stay in it and do it with gusto. Find your sphere and work in it. Number two, this is the tricky one. Celebrate, don't resent your giftedness and others. Celebrate, don't resent your giftedness and others. We, we say this one, Ray, Ray, here we go. Celebrate, don't resent your giftedness and others. There's a sense for all of us And I think the juxtaposition inside of our soul is, I really do want to be great at something. While I'm here on planet Earth, I've been entrusted with some things that I want to use. I don't want want my life to be a waste. I I want to fulfill my destiny. I want to fulfill what God has called me to do. Proverbs 14.30, I found this verse two weeks ago. I don't know if I'd ever seen it. I probably read it, but I don't know if I ever saw it. The uh, Proverbs writer says this, a heart of peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. And I don't know about you, but I have a feeling that intuitively you know you will not ever be a Bill Gates. You will not be an entrepreneur like him. You will never have the money that he has. You are not going to be a Jeff Bezos of Amazon, and you're not going to be a Michael Jordan or a LeBron James. However, that's not what's important. What you have is less important than what you do with what you have. And so I want you today to make a positional shift where you start to celebrate what God has given you. Don't resent what he hasn't given you. Don't resent what he's given other people that you don't have. Celebrate what you have. Celebrate who you are. Celebrate what other people have. So when someone has a successful moment, rather than being resentful that they got a raise, internally make a shift and celebrate for that person. 
You've got a friend who's struggling, and maybe there's times in your life that you've, you've, you've liked to see your friend struggle because you're not struggling in that area. But maybe you need to do a shift where rather than resenting it and getting bitter over people's successes, maybe you start to internally applaud them. Make sense? Celebrate, don't resent. What you're doing with the talents you have and not having to look to the left or to the right. Comparisons are a no-win proposition. Paul says we dare not compare or classify ourselves with those who commend themselves. Fill in the blank. I wish I had a nicer and larger blank. I wish I had more blank. I wish this person would stop succeeding in this where I fail at that. Celebrate what God has given others and what God has given you. I think the bottom line is this, Philippians 4. God's trying to teach us contentment. Contentment in what we have and contentment in who God's wired us to be. Third and finally, take your thoughts of comparison to Jesus as your standard. Now stay with me. I got six minutes. Here we go. He says this in verse five. We take captive every thought, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Paul goes on to say this. It's not the one who commends himself who's approved. It's not them. But it's the one whom the Lord commends. Now, I'm going to give you a little trick of the trade that will start to free you from comparison. This morning, I want you to actually start to compare yourself with someone different, someone higher, someone mature, someone complete. I want you to change your mirror your mirror from the person on your right or the person on your left, or even the mirror of yourself, I want you to change the mirror this morning, and I want you to change the mirror to Jesus. And I'll tell you why. A healthy view of Jesus will transform you and me. If you make Jesus your mirror, I can promise you, as you start to look, I'm not talking about a religious, crazy, legalistic church Jesus, that maybe you grew up with, I'm talking about a biblical Jesus that is fully truth and fully grace. So when you look at that Jesus, you will neither walk away condemned or shameful, neither will you walk away superior or inferior. You won't walk away with shame, and you won't walk away with guilt. You will walk away with truth and grace. That means your whole self-image will start to improve. You will stop worrying about the person on your right or your left. You won't be looking around all the time who's succeeding and who's failing. That means this, I will become more who David Olshine is because of the way Jesus has wired me. I will start to realize that I am uniquely different from anybody else in this room, and you are uniquely different from anyone else in this room. In fact, let's take it a whole step further. You have a story that is so powerful. And maybe you were raised in a situation or scenario that you're just not too happy about. 
but God has grown you. God has worked in your heart. God has done some amazing things. Think about our Jesus who connected with lepers. Our Jesus who took a woman who was sick for many, many years with a disease that you shouldn't get near, and he gets near. You've got this Jesus who hung around prostitutes. He heals a woman with a hemorrhaging problem. This Jesus of the Bible says, if you will look at me and get your view of you from him, you will start to see progress. Nobody looks like you. No one acts like you. No one has your story. Your story is powerful. So today, I'm asking you to let go of comparativitis. What are you going to do with the things that God has given you? What will you do with the things he has trusted to you? Will you use them or just sit on them? Like the man in the talent, will you just bury them? So, What's our takeaway today? What person do you need to stop comparing yourself with? What situation do you need to let go that creates pressure to compare? Can you let that person, that situation go and cast those worries and cares onto the one that we ultimately need to compare ourselves to, Jesus? Today, I want you to take your cue about your self-image, not from your best friend, not from your spouse, not from your neighbor, your coworker, your business partner, but from the one who made you and is crazy about you and rose again and died for you. Not in that order. Died, then rose again. As we close, I want you to pray with me. And I want you to pray this prayer with me silently. Lord, I take every captive thought to you. I've been comparing myself with blank, and I give it to you. I give all these thoughts to you, Lord. The thoughts and feelings I have about blank, I surrender to you. I take my cue from you, Lord, not from others. And just take 30 seconds and let it go. And that's your challenge for this week, that when you find yourself comparing yourself with anybody, you stop, you pivot, you look to the one who created you, and you say, Lord, forgive me for comparing myself. I want to compare myself actually with you, Lord, because you love me and you created me and you know who I am. And you died for me and you rose for, again for me. And this comparison trap and this comparison pit that I've got with blank, I give that to you, that thought to you. And I put a blessing on that person that they prosper and that I don't resent them. That I actually applaud what you're doing in their life because you, you've got their story just like you've got my story. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Thank you for listening to audio from Sandhills Community Church. Feel free to share this with others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information, please visit our website at www.sandhillschurch.org.